For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Audio Frontier. Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is Wrestling Death and is scheduled for one hour. Yeah, you coming now. Welcome to Wrestling Daft and Mark, hailing from Larbert, weighing in at 181 pounds. I'm John, producer of Wrestling Daft, host of this show, and with me a man who is bigger than the outrage caused by changing Keith Lee's theme on Raw last night. It's Big Alex. Don't, don't you have to start with that? And now I'm like going to be really upset for the entire podcast now. Thanks. I, I know, we're definitely we're def- going to have to talk about that in, in the buddies and uh, put overs later on, Gary. Hashtag <laughs> Yeah, uh, and that man there. Let's welcome to the show a man who was too drunk on Friday night after the Mark's night out to do a Twitch for Smackdown. It's Scotland's answer to Brian Alvarez. It's Sports Kidar's Gary Cassidy. Oh, I think I need to undergo a wee bit of wrestling training and um, and become a wee bit more pally with my good pal Dave Meltzer before that happens. But uh, but I'll take it anyway. But yeah, I for the actually it wasn't. I was going to say for the first time in a long time I missed SmackDown because I went home and completely KO'd. Um, but <laughs> I, I didn't. It's, it's probably the second time in two weeks. <laughs> Out drinking with the big boys, Gary. That's yeah. That That's was what it. It was a good night out, good night out, and the Mark's night out. We'll have to have one with the listeners at some point. I really enjoy that, so we'll go get that. Yeah, maybe uh, Patreon events would be a good way to do that. That is a good <laughs> Yeah, we can get a pa- Patreon piss-up. I like the idea of that. That's I mean, but it's not as if you've already promised them tickets to this event, John. It's going to happen. Once uh, this horrible pandemic gets out of the way, we're definitely going to have a live event and a big piss-up with a lot of us. Um, before we get on to the main body show, let's just talk quickly through... Takeover and SummerSlam um, at the weekend. We'll do a couple of buddies and putovers from Takeover and SummerSlam. Decent cards for both. Takeover 30, let's start with that. On the warm-up show, we had Breeze Angle um, becoming number one contenders. Finn Bauer defeated Timothy Thatcher. Damien Priest um, <laughs> won the... You mean yeah, you called it, Rodriguez. Alex. You called it. <laughs> Can I also point out that he's taken his old name really literally and he's went and bought himself some sweet new bondage gear? Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, we had this amazing uh, scene of him on takeover of in a jacuzzi with his title and lots of ladies around him. Um, with one of which was uh, the woman who got beaten up by Marina Shafir on Raw Underground, who is really? uh, yeah, uh, um, Brandy Lauren from Evolve, who I'm wondering if she is now doing a bit more with WWE because she is the person who was in Evolve alongside the guy that I've reported has signed from Evolve and uh, Anthony Green. So there's a good chance we might be seeing a wee bit more of her. Well, there you go. Um, Adam Cole defeated Pat McAfee. Io Shirai retained her title against Dakota Kai. And Killian Cross walked out of NXT TakeOver, the new champion. Quick you, thoughts you from you on... on Adam Cole carrying Cross. Yeah, that was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quick thoughts, quick thoughts from you on it, Alex. Initially, my big shock to start with was no Mauro Ronello and how much that yes. impacted me. But I thought yep. Corey did a great job. He was much more NXT Corey. He was much less annoying, pissing off Michael Cole Corey, which I thought was a really good play 
and he was talking back to a lot of the NXT moments that he was involved in, which I thought was really good. Do we know why Mauro wasn't there, Gary? No idea. Absolutely no idea. I'd love to know if the decision for Mauro to not be there was made before or after Corey Graves was uh, confirmed to be there. Um, <laughs> I, I would assume well, I'm kind of assume got a tinfoil hat there. Yeah. Um, but no, no idea why he wasn't there. Absolutely nothing's came out about it as far as I know. Yeah, that, that really threw, threw me off. In terms of the actual wrestling, Alex? I thought it was pretty good. I think, I know you have said you're slightly disappointed with it, but I think this harks back to what we said in the preview show, which is our expectation levels for these cards are too bloody high. Um, I thought like the ladder match was terrific. It harked, again, they kind of, they did a lot of like harping back to their own moments in that match from the initial one. Um, am I the only one who noticed that Cameron Grimes is a hero's tattoo? No, no. he's got a hero's tattoo. Yeah, just I don't know why I decided to bring that up. <laughs> and um, I thought it was slightly it, the main event did feel like a bit of a dud. And the reason for like initially when I'd finished watching the show, I was like, I really enjoyed that. Apart from the main event, just felt really flat, and I was expecting so much more from the two of them. But it then came out afterwards that Carrying Cross dislocated his shoulder at one point reasonably early in the match, and as such. I've kind of completely forgiven them for it. As instead of thinking that was a dud match, I now think bloody good on Karrion Cross for getting through what he could get through anyway. Gary, what you were your thoughts on it? Yeah, same on that main event. I thought it was a wee bit off the pace, but I, I, again, I was not sure if that was just you know takeover main events in the past all being incredible and me being slightly harsh. But then when the news came out about the injury, I was like, ah, that explains it for yeah. me. Yeah, two things that stood out was definitely. The ladder match was absolutely fantastic. Um, four of the competitors put on a great show, and we'll no mention the fifth one because <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's no, kind of ruined the whole night a little bit for yeah. you. It's ruined NXT a little bit. I hate it. I hate but it was a brilliant match, and you know, I think we we were kind of almost unanimous. And um, Damien Priest gonna be coming up with the title that happened. But no, I wasn't. I, 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 I was trying to be generous. I think, <laughs> I think Cameron Grimes was winning. Trying to put you I, over, and you just but, wouldn't let him. I think, um, like we said, I think we all knew it was going to be a good showing for the three kind of younger talents or newer talents, and, and that was the way it went. Runs and Weed looked brilliant. And for me, the big standout, of course, Pat McAfee. Absolutely brilliant. That full match was incredible. I knew he wasn't going to disgrace himself, but he went above and beyond. He, he put on a brilliant wrestling match. I don't think you wouldn't know that he wasn't a wrestler if you watched that, not knowing anything about the product. And that swanton for the top rope to the side was absolutely fantastic. As was his jump to the top rope and then backflip off. Yeah. It was just brilliant, just brilliant. Well, it's like, John, you asked how do you pull that moveset off with the character and you just be a cocky, arrogant little shit with it. I it done it perfectly. Yeah, like the character work behind the whole Pat McAfee thing over the last couple of weeks has been great. Be interested to see where they go with Pat. Any, any ideas where do you think they'll go with it? Apparently, as um, looking for a future in wrestling, he, he, he apparently told Triple H, this was on the, from the conference call after it, he told Triple H that he's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. So, <laughs> so there you go. I love <laughs> that. Completely living up to the character, but I, I hope we see him on NXT this week. I really yeah. hope they actually bring him out and do something with him. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I, I, thought he, I thought he would smash it. And again, like you say, the ladder, I mean, that, that match and the ladder match, it always amazed me how they can come up with different spots because how many ladder matches have been over the years and yet 
in NXT, they seemed to come up with various different spots, some amazing spots in that match. And um, there was a lot of botches, there was a lot of botches, but you, that's the expected. It was the bit when Cameron Grimes pulled out the little ladder and he just started sharing it, everyone going, Who put this here? Who put this here? <laughs> you know, so they've even got the character work in it as well, which I love. No, no, it was And uh, shout out to him for the Bam Bam Bigelow uh, attire that he was wearing, how he uh, subtle reference to Bam Bam yeah, Bigelow. Yeah, no, I like nice that. Like that, like that. So yeah, NXT TakeOver. Not the best TakeOver by a long stretch, but it was all right. It was all right. Moving on to SummerSlam, however, I... See, see before we get on to SummerSlam, can we interject and do a little bit on the Thunderdome? Yeah, let's do that. Because to start with, I think we may have... I think it's worked quite well. And I think visually it's been very impressive. I'll admit I was expecting something more. Oh, Um, really? Just, just the way we were describing it last week. And, and also, technically, it's not really a dome. It's more of a wedge because they've only obviously got like a third of the dome there. But it's, it's right. The one for me is the crowd noises. Now, I completely agree that the crowd noises made the product considerably better and made it feel more like WWE. But, Gary, you might know this. Do they give the fans like a little button on their screen where they can like boo or cheer or something? Or is it completely fake crowd noise? No, um, it is the, I think we spoke about this a bit last week and they have been adjusting it as we go, but it is half mixed in and half piped in. So yeah. it's ha- half actual virtual audio and you can kind of hear that sometimes that doesn't sound as clean as it should. Um, yeah. But on SmackDown, it seemed like it was almost all piped in. They hadn't quite worked out how to do the mixing, which we kind of knew was going to be difficult anyway. Uh, but SummerSlam, it was a wee bit better. Raw last night, they done really well with it. You could almost not hear Drew McIntyre's promo in a good way because they had the crowd, you know, cheering. And they are doing the, I don't know if any of have spotted this, but I've not joined the Thunderdome because I don't want to be that guy that's on screen anyway. But a, a few people have showed me, you know, what's been the case when they've been in it. They actually do say, like the way they would in a live event, like when it's a TV taping, they're like, Right now, if you keep that energy up and, and let, let the people know how you feel and stuff like that, so they've got somebody geeing up the crowd um, in the background to try and make it as, you know, as loud from the virtual side as possible. Because I guess the more cheering they have, the, the better it will sound as a collective thing rather than just being, you know, hollow, echoey nonsense. But they are mixing it in and they actually made a good job at it. Because last night, two segments in particular, um, R-Truth was doing his What's Up thing to the crowd and back. And uh, Randy Orton being booed, really, you, you could see the visible kind of booing on the screen. But those two segments, I couldn't tell if it was piped in or if it was mixed or what it was. And I think that is, you know, if that's the way they're doing it, that is the best way they can do it. If you can't tell, then they're doing a good job. Yeah. No, good. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't 100% piped in because yeah. then I'd be like I'm being cheated. Yeah. I'd be like, <laughs> I'm just doing what Kevin Dunn wants me to do and I don't want to be that guy. I mean, I think it's enhanced the product so much. I mean, just in the, the, the two shows, I didn't see Raw last night, but SummerSlam and SmackDown, I watched both of them. Because I, I think everybody tuned into SmackDown and go, oh, whoa, let's, let's check this out. Um, but I If you don't watch Raw, watch the intro to Raw. Literally the first five seconds with the pyro and the flames. That's <laughs> the yeah. best part of it. Well, the pyro game was on point and stuff, like when Drew had his stuff going in the yeah. crowd and stuff, and like the... The Street Profits had all the cups just coming out of the crowd. I really like that. No, no, no. I mean, getting into SummerSlam, uh, Thunderdome aside, um, thought SummerSlam was really good. I thought it was one of the best SummerSlams in years, to be honest with you. Um, I thought the card was laid out, how they laid out the matches, 
you know, they gave a lot of time to the women, which was great to see. I think um, having them as a thread throughout the night kept the whole show yeah, together for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, some great matches on there as well. I mean, let's just talk about Seth Rollins and uh, Dominic. I mean, how good was Seth? I have to say, how good a performance that was from Seth Rollins. He dragged Dominic, and not taking away from Dominic because he was outstanding as well, but Seth Rollins, it just goes to show, might be a bit of a dick outside the ring. Was he in that ring? He was fantastic. Led Dominic through, did everything right with him. I thought it was one of the matches of the year. You've got to talk about the character work with uh, Ray as well. Yeah. Are you sure he's not Uncle Eddie's? Are you sure he's not Uncle yeah. Eddie's? <laughs> and wearing the Halloween Havoc gear for the Eddie yeah. Ray Mysterio match in the WCW 1997, I think it was. Just yeah. on the money, just on the money. No, um, it was great. Um, the women's, you know, ba- the, that continues to build as well. Obviously, you know, Bailey not helping Sasha and then... Sp- uh, Sasha helping bait and just you know I think that was the right decision to make and I think that just or add and add to that one it was surprisingly subtle from them wasn't it they didn't pull the trigger they like they flicked the first domino they're just doing that they're just doing that that disappointing wasn't that you know we were set up for the hair versus hair stipulation but we on we we now realise that that was taken out with the WWE's hands due to the obviously the court proceedings that are going on with Sonya Deville and she didn't want to turn up to to court with with no hair, pretty much. Gary, you reported that Sonia's been moved to the women eye section. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, this is it's a kind of difficult one because no one really knows if she's gone for good, you know, or has made a permanent decision that could become a temporary decision. She might come back eventually, um, but you can't really judge it either way. But she has she said her goodbyes. She made a very subtle exit, went out on her back the way that most wrestlers would, um, just kind of disappeared subtly which is I think probably her decision um, and then yeah she's been moved to the alumni section <laughs> I, so I asked about um, I asked the guy that I normally ask about these kind of things uh, you know do you, is there anything else you can tell me essentially it was just the thing about the, the hair shaving um, cause I, I said you know why was it changed was it simply because if she's going to be off TV for a bit there's no real payoff to shaving her head. Mm. She's just going to need to live with a shaved head, which I guess, unless she really wants to do that, isn't it the best idea? And it was, um, I think, the lawyers uh, maybe didn't want her in court doing that. Didn't they report on it because one person saying, I think, isn't really the strongest thing to report on. But then Dave Meltzer said the same thing. So I guess that is a kind of common ground. But it still no came out as to whether it's temporary or permanent. So I guess we'll probably not find that out until if she comes back or not. I, do you think it could be a work potentially that he's been moved into Illuminati section or do you think no? The I think, court stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think um, so the, the tricky bit for me is that I don't know contractually if she right. will have you know, had her contract ripped up by choice or whatever maybe has just decided that's it done with wrestling or if she's taking a break and they've maybe put her contract on hold or maybe it's beyond that and they'll just like forget about the contract we'll just see what happens um, so I, I don't think it's a work. A lot of people seem to think it's a work. But for me, you've got to think, if that was to happen to you, there's a good chance you'd go, this isn't worth it. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm not sure. I, I guess we'll just need to kind of find it yeah. when we find it because nothing's came out about it at all. Um, Drew obviously retaining the title against... The, we all <laughs> said Otten would walk out. The tag team match, John, which had my moment of the night oh, when sorry, he stripped off his pants to reveal matching attire with Andrade. It was beautiful. 
<laughs> McIntyre retaining much the we all uh, called Randy Orton on this match and um, McIntyre retains and I thought that again you could have watched them go all night I thought it was a, a great match and a surprise finish because you think it's going to be the Claymore or, or the RKO both finishers protected and we just get a backslide no, no finishers in a match that was a clean really good wrestling match I don't remember the last time that happened in WWE <laughs> see if that's the new WWE main event style and main event picture I'm totally down with that can we now just have I think Drew's now solidified himself as our kind of new Cena and the new Randy kind of go-to rival man yeah yeah. I mean it'll be interesting to see if we're you know Raw last night it seems to be setting up for Orton versus Keith Lee it'll be interesting to see if where McIntyre goes next I don't think he'll be on payback I think if he, well, not on the card, I think he might show up, but I don't think he'll have a match on payback. Not after what happened to him last night, yeah. anyway. No, no. And then finally, it was The Fiend versus Strowman. Not a very good match. But, but Strowman put that ring over hard. He took like 20 minutes to rip the thing up, so. I, I actually thought, and this is something that I think I've been kind of quietly critical of, I think it was one of the better Fiend matches, because mm. I think Bray Wyatt is an incredible wrestler, but I think he struggles to wrestle under the mask. Right, so yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I get, I get that. But, but the big dog is back. Uh, Roman Reigns looking a million bucks. Um, had looks like he's had his teeth done. Looks like he's had a bit of a tan going on. Did you not see Randy Orton on like on social, like taking the piss of Reigns' new teeth? Yep. Yeah, I did. Their Instagram yeah, yeah. rivalry is the best WWE rivalry this year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Randy Orton is brilliant on uh, social media. Uh, looking Jack, looking brilliant and obviously looking like the Roman Reigns we all want him to be um, what were your thoughts on it guys so um, annoyingly I got told about this at 9pm on Sunday oh. so I knew it was going to happen <laughs> but I actually got told like almost a week ago that plans were to bring him back anyway the one thing I, so I was like I don't want to ask any further because I'm not going to report on it because it's the kind of thing that if you spoil Roman Reigns return nobody's going to thank you for that yeah, people are going to hate you <laughs> for spoiling that. So it was like, no reporting on it, so I don't really want to know anything else about it. The one thing that I got told was two words, and it was a line and turn. And obviously the big debate is whether it was a turn or not. I don't think it was. Um, no, but I, that's... I, definitely not a heel turn. Definitely not no, a I heel think turn. it was. It's I really not wanted Alex. to rebrand him, but I've seen there was too much of old Roman Reigns and what he was wearing. He had the glove on. He had his logos on his new shirt. Because see if he comes out on Friday and the shield music wearing that fucking body vest protector Kevlar thing, I'm going to be raging. Because this is the perfect time to at least rebrand him slightly and make him more of a... I think a rebrand, I think, but I think he's just going to be a total tweener. I think, I, 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 I think um, so they actually, I said that everything they done reminded me just of a kind of arrogant, like anti-hero kind of, the way Stone Cold Steve Austin is, which we've seen for the t-shirt design, it's kind of somewhat a Stone Cold one. I think they're trying to make him just like badass face where he doesn't really care what people think, which they tried to do before and didn't work. But they piped in a, a couple of boos. That was something that I'd noticed. They piped in a wee bit of booing. Um, but that might have been legitimate because people do like the feed. And yeah, have the automatic kind of like boo Roman every time he comes out mentality to a certain degree. I I think they just need to kind of WWE need to kind of accept that you know with somebody like Roman Reigns, it's like John Cena where you're never going to get everyone to cheer him and you're never going to get everyone to boo him. So you kind of just need to put him out there and do what you do that's good for the character and just let the crowd react. Um, yeah. But I think they are going for this week kind of slightly edgier than before, not quite heel, but definitely not the big baby face kind of thing with him. 
So on to payback then, which is uh, going to be this weekend. Very comes around very quickly, so we'll wait and see what happens there. I don't know what's the point. I don't see Why the point. I don't see the point. Like, what's the point? I mean, I know they've obviously pushed SummerSlam back, but you'd have thought with the situation, it's not as if they've got like obviously the venue they've booked for it would have probably been cancelled and stuff anyway. So it just seems like something it should have been swept Can't, away. With. Yeah, just get to just get it in the bin to get payback in the bin. Yeah, Who cares? The bin. Um, obviously, the the accountants probably care. Um, so yeah, that was SummerSlam takeover. Um, on show today, however, um, Gary has been out with his microphone again. He caught up with former leader of Sanity and current Impact star Eric Young. What was he saying to it? Aye, so um, this was through Impact, so obviously it was mainly Impact questions. But... Is, it, is it on the phone? <laughs> Have they worked out how to use Zoom yet, Impact? No, the phone line was okay, though. It wasn't too bad. Um, but Eric Young is the kind of guy that, um, oddly, has been setting up an interview with him privately anyway just because like we've kind of spoke a wee bit back and forward uh, about kind of just random stuff and um, so I'd set up an interview with him and then he obviously signed with Impact and then I had to go through Impact so it was mainly about Impact but he's the kind of person that just doesn't really care anyway so when I asked him like my first question was about you know do you feel like you've came home to Impact because you spent 12 years here before you left four years ago or is it like going to a new promotion and he pretty much just told me the full story about, you know, being in WWE and leaving and stuff like that. So he didn't really hold back anyway. And yeah, it, he's just, he's the kind of guy, that I think listening to this interview, it's like, man, I'm rooting for this guy. He's just a, he's a guy who knows his worth. He's a guy that knows what he brings to a company. And he's a guy that I think is going to be a big force in driving impact forward. Yeah, I think, I, I think he was, you know, wasted a bit in WWE. I think we'll all agree oh, on that. Right. Um, later on we'll get the news with Gary uh, we'll be burying putting over stuff from the big shows we're once again in the wrestling daft draft heading towards fantasy booking island and Alex is clinging on to the book this week what are we having? you're booking heel Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns he's not a heel, heel. <laughs> he's not a heel but we'll do it anyway he um, will be in an hour John he, he will, will be, be in an hour. he will be uh, and we're going to be travelling across the globe to the land of rising sun once again as we turn Japanese and find out what's going on in New Japan with the cats as well. But first, it's time to cut a promo. I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. Right, give me the microphone because this has to be said. Um, I'm back onto supermarkets. I'm back onto supermarkets. And more importantly, I'm back onto the Dilly Dalliers. Now, the Dilly Dalliers, Dilly Dally is a great word. It's very underused in today's society. The Dilly Dalliers, who... In this day of the pandemic where you've got your face masks, you can't lean over people in the supermarket. You know, that's a no-no. That, you know, socially, no, you can't do that. You can't lean over and get that block of cheese you're after, right? So when you go to the supermarkets now, and this is probably less, more wrestling because I'm talking about demographics here. Anyone over 60 just dilly-dallies around the supermarket and they stand there in front of the cheese or in front of the wine or in front of the fruit or the yogurts or whatever and they stand there for like half an hour just with All the... Apologies to our older listeners who, uh, who yeah. may be in that age range. Yeah. <laughs> There's not many listen to this. If we show. have any <laughs> listeners over the age of 60, please get in touch with John. Yeah. But they stand there and you just consider their purchase and they just spend it all day and you're like, hurry up. I want to get my cheese and move on to the next section. But then you have to double, because they're taking so long, you just get so frustrated, you have to double back on yourself and you have to go round the one-way system and back to the 
where the cheese was. So if you're in a supermarket, just have in your mind what you're going for. Get the cheese. Don't fucking sit there for half an hour and just dilly-dally. So what I'm saying this week is no to supermarket dilly-dallying. So every week uh, we like to take a look at the big wrestling shows. It's always a bit of a strange one on uh, pay-per-view weekends because it feels like you're going a bit more back in time because we're talking about the go-home shows and then we've we've already talked about the pay-per-view shows. It all gets very confusing, but we like to do it anyway. And We're going to bury and put over stuff from Raw, NXT, SmackDown and, of course, AEW. Um, And as usual, we get a... Guest Mark on to help us out, and this week it is Robbie McGraw. How you doing, Robbie? I am doing great, guys. Thanks for having us. No problem. You sound a little bit like a Dalek there, but it kind of adds to it. I like that. Um, it's man on that. Big wrestling fan? Hey, I have been, yeah. Uh, kind of missed the glory days of the Attitude Era. I was born in 1999, so I'm quite a... Ooh. Way to make us all feel um, ancient. <laughs> oh, especially me. Aye, but, um, <laughs> I would have to say that I'm not a big wrestling fan. I kind of fell away from it. Yeah. 2008, 2009. But, um, I've kind of came back maybe about 2014 onwards. Good and good. And I've still been watching it since. So. Have you got any wrestling uh, claims to fame? That's what we always like to ask our, our guest, Mark. Um. Actually, there was a time, um, I don't live in Glasgow, right in the centre, I live in a wee small part outside of Nuddingston, and um, a few WWE superstars came out to a small place called View Park, I believe Booker T and the likes came out, and um, I'd went and obviously met them uh, up the road, and it was actually quite good. It was really weird seeing... Is this the infamous Booker T signing in a spa in View Park that you're talking about? Someone got in touch with us claiming that Booker T did a signing in a spa in View Park. Yes. Is it? (laughs) Incredible. You have just, we were like, that's a lot of rubbish, surely. But no, there you go. We've we've got that. No, no. um, I never go, I never go, I never got signed because I was too shy at the time. But um, I I actually seen him. And you don't actually realise how big these guys are until you see them in person. Did he buy anything from the spa? Did you notice if he had a bag with with anything in it? I can no idea. Right, no idea. I'm sure somebody tried to give him a can of iron brew somehow. Yeah, right. <laughs> Taking advantage of the cheap cheese. There's always a bit of cheap cheese going on at spa. You know. Can imagine Booker taking advantage of that. Um, so thanks for coming on, Robbie. Um, you're going to be doing SmackDown for us. But let's start at the start last Wednesday with AEW Dynamite and Big Alex. <coughs> John's got the wrong chronological order. Dynamite aired this week on a Saturday. Of course. Of course. <laughs> we, we've started now. We have a system. Let's, let's just keep going, shall we? So, so this week on Dynamite, Pelly Blanchard decided to wear his, grand, decided to wear his grandson's uh, sports jacket to feel all young and cool, and John Moxley put out a not-so-subtle uh, job advert for his soon-to-be unemployed wife. But before we get into the barrier pullovers, we know every week I seem to point out someone's clothes. So the first question is, who wore the burgundy suit better, Brody Lee or Sonia Deville? Definitely Sonia Deville. Because, yeah, I would totally agree with it. <laughs> Sonia Deville. Deville all the way. So uh, 
Unlucky Brody, and your new jacket this week also sucks. Why do you have fangs on it? I'm not really too sure. <laughs> but wrestling, let's talk about that. So, um, <laughs> and ironically, actually, my first pullover of the night is nothing to do with the wrestling. So, um, how good was MJF's lawyer? Like, <laughs> promo of the night from the non-wrestling talent. And, like, some of the lines he came out with was class. Are you not a badass, John Moxley? Do you need that one little move or something along those lines? I thought it was cool, but it, it seems a bit weird to have a strong promo from the assistant of probably the strongest promo in the brand. But yeah. it was good. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I think the guy deserves some recognition. Now we have to get on to the berry, and I'm afraid that it's, it's my favourite thing to bury in AEW. And it's the fact that they have literally admitted on an episode of Dynamite this week that they have completely screwed up the women's division, so much so that they've just pulled in the NWA women's champion to come and um, uh, face Shida at All Out, which makes no sense. Like, what, no, honestly, you man, I'm so excited for that because I love Thunder Rosa. She is absolutely brilliant. So I'm like, yep, that's what AEW needs, but I get what you mean with it being an, an admittance just, of failure. <laughs> just seems a little bit like a failure. And... I'm still at the NWA belt situation. Why do they have a picture of the face of the women's champion in the middle of the belt? Aye. I just hate it. It just looks, yeah. It's and just, it's the only belt that I think is smaller than the AEW women's belt as well. It's an absolutely <laughs> tiny title. So like when you see both of those belts held up, it's like you could maybe make one big normal size title for that. <laughs> well, like, I mean, it's like what I said on um, Turning Japanese. I'm slightly confused of what's going on with some of the smaller promotions just now and NWA especially considering Dave Lagana and so on and so forth and accusations and all that jazz so I don't mean to single Dave Lagana out personally but losing your EVP and head of production is obviously going to be a bit of a problem yeah and now on to a new positive note we Sammy Guevara very much so paying his dues for not only being a shite bag on Twitter but for also being a shite bag to Matt Hardy's face. <laughs> like, he fairly took a beating. I think he took a bigger beating than Dominic did on Raw last week, and it was, it was quite impressive. And I like this idea of, they've kind of, of potentially like a proper crazy Matt Hardy. Instead of him just flip-flopping between his personalities, him actually going insane and channeling parts of them all, I think could work quite well. And they've kind of maybe going down the unhinged route, route with him. So I'm yeah. up for that. Let's do that. Let's not just have plain old Matt Hardy, as I think that would be quite boring, unfortunately. And now we come on to the match of the night. Big Brody Lee finally getting his big win and squashing the hell out of Cody. Like, I was, I was very surprised how they booked that match, but I think they surprisingly booked that match correctly. I... Would have probably done it with Archer, maybe four months ago, personally. <laughs> but... I, I absolutely hated the match. I'll say that. Like, I despised the match because of the way they've not built Brody. And like you said, that mm. with Archer, it would have been better. But I think because of everything that happened after the bell rang at the end, I was like, they done everything so perfectly that the match didn't need to be good because everything that <laughs> followed was like, that for me is the kind of thing that if I was unsure whether to watch NXT or AEW this week, the end would make me watch AEW. Like, it was little things. It was the way Arn was acting the whole time. And, like, JR was being like, Cody's thrown it all away. He's such an idiot. And then you had the big Dark Order attack. And they just laid everyone out. I like the way they got Anna Jay involved as well to take out Brandy. So we got to hear JR shouting Jezebel, which reminded me of the Attitude Era. And, like, the way they ended with that camera shot of just Brandy and Cody just, like, 
out, I thought was was a really good little ending. And I, I, I think that might have torn some people away from the first hour of TakeOver. It's worth taking a little note there because I think that might be the first time during Berries and Putovers. He didn't quite get put over, but a positive comment about Jim Ross. Oh! The first time it's happened. <laughs> and it was only for nostalgic reasons. It's only because I love him when he shouts, She's a Jezebel! You know, it's, it's hilarious. So, uh, and what was the match of the night? That was my match of the night, mainly for, every, for the, the cinematography, that's not the word, for the storyline and everything that went around it. Yeah. I think it worked well. Oh, good, 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 good. Um, moving on to NXT. Obviously, we were on the go home edition before takeover. Um, matches on the card: Richon Gargano, Dakota Kai versus Jesse Kamea, Brizango and Swerve versus Legado del Fantasma, Pat McAfee and Undisputed Era cutting promos against each other, Robert Stonebrand against Ripley and Shotzi, and Balor versus Dream. Um, I'm only going to take one buddy. I don't think it was a really massively strong go home show for NXT. Um, we'll get, you know, we talked about NXT takeover at the start of the show, which was a bit mm, average for me. But uh, on the, the actual show itself, let's start with the, the putovers. I think I talked about them last week. I think the week before I buried them. But Ridge Holland, um, I think, has got a big future. Um, I thought it looked really quite impressive against. Uh, in his match against Johnny Gargano, obviously Gargano went over him, but I think he's got a bright future. Um, he did have had one horrendous point where he landed Johnny on, yep. on his neck, which looked <laughs> pretty bad. But I think he's a little bit rough around the edges, but I think he'll be a decent star. Just drop the Peaky Binders gimmick, mate. We don't need the Peaky Binders gimmick. Get, get I don't think it flies in the States either. Nah. I don't think they and, the and it's like outdated by about five years yeah. <laughs> not yeah. necessary don't, don't need that but yeah putting it over him I think he's, he's going to be big um, buddy I'm only going to take one buddy this week um, I'm going to have to Tegan Knox's accent have I buried this before? Oh, come on no have I buried it before? I think I may have buried it before so, so yeah, is I mean, it too Welsh or you would not Welsh enough? it's not there's no Welsh there okay, yeah, it's, the it's just this really <laughs> fucked up hybrid accent which you don't know if she's Welsh you don't know if she's American you don't know what's going on you know uh, so yeah I think I might have buried that before so I will bury and on uh, Alex's fashionista note uh, I'm going to have to buddy what what the hell is Joaquin Wilde wearing to the ring? I don't know. <laughs> you what, really uh, hate Joaquin Wilde's wardrobe, don't you? You've, you've yeah, had a bit of a personal. You know, he was wearing cycling helmets before this kind of shift to Legado de on Fantasma, and now he's comes out in what looked like I couldn't work out if it was a skirt or if it was a t-shirt. It was leather. It had glitter. Anyway, uh, that was my. You, mean you uh, don't uh, like leather and glitter. Who doesn't like leather and glitter? <laughs> Come on, that job. He's, so, he's been putting over Breeze Angle for the past few weeks. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Breezango would not be Breezango without leather and blooming glitter, John. Yeah. Uh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll bury that. And um, got to put over, uh, I thought Pat McAfee, you know, cutting an amazing promo ahead of takeover to set up the, the, obviously, the Adam Cole match. I thought, what a promo he is. And he, he's, he's brilliant. He, he really is. The way he threw... He's such a good week. Yeah, such he threw a good week. He threw the mic. He didn't just do a mic drop. He actually just launched the mic as well, which I loved. Uh, I thought he had a, a great promo um, on the run-up to, to that match. So that really sold me on the actual um, match itself. So well done, Pat. Well done. And a very good show in it takeover as well, obviously. Um, match of the night. Uh, don't want to say it. 
But Velveteen Dream versus Finn Balor. Um, obviously, we've had a lot of can't con- say the VD word here. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, I know, but he might be a bit shitey out the ring and do some bad stuff out the ring, but in the ring, he's still bloody brilliant. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Balor versus him. And, you know, the big, the big ending, which, you know, I'll, I'm a big fan of when multi-man matches all come in. And there's like, so you had obviously you had uh, Cameron Grimes sitting on the ladder, and then everybody started piling in. It, it was a great ending to the match, and it, it, it was a good match all around. So, yeah, that's going to be my match of the night. Um, let's move on to on the debut of the Thunderdome, which was SmackDown on Friday night. Robbie, what do you think making of it? Right. Um, so, my put over was uh, Retribution at the start of the show. Um, I'm actually quite a big fan of them at the moment. Oh yeah, controversial um, opinion on this show. I, I like what they've done on SmackDown. I, I really, I've hated a lot of what they've done so far, but SmackDown I thought was excellent what they've done then. So I'm agreeing there. Um, I know I, I really like it because right now I'm not as much as invested in the Strowman the Fiend. Um, because I think it's dragging on a bit much now. To be honest. Um. So I think it was quite good that he obviously disappeared and then all of them battled Strowman. That was quite nice. And I really liked the beginning angle of SmackDown. Um, it was really, really good. So that's my first put-over. Uh, the second put-over was the um, surprise title change, the IC title changing hands. Um, I liked how they brought uh, that into the start as well with AJ. With yeah, the, exactly. That's what I was going to say. At the start, um, obviously it started out as Jeff Hardy had been injured by a member of Retribution then round about the middle of the show we found out that AJ Styles is actually the one who caused the injury trying to get off her hand um, but I think it's quite good to see Jeff Hardy now with a belt around him um, after obviously all the, the troubles that he's had in the past that's the full reason why they were working through the story um, and I've always been a big fan of Jeff Hardy just good to see him a belt again and you got a buddy for us Robbie? aye uh, the whole, the, just the Smackdown tag team division Aye. <laughs> the non-existent SmackDown tag team division. That's that full... I mean, I'm happy that Cesaro's got a title and I'm happy Shunsky's got a title. But the fact that they're going up against the Lucha House Party, I just... Or, honestly, it's one of the times when you're watching the show, uh, that's a toilet, that's a piss break, isn't it? Aye. <laughs> I, think, I think they're doing Lucha House Party at the service. They've looked really, really good recently, and I like the obviously the. I mean, they have, I, I, I'll, I'll give um, Grand Metal like his due. They obviously had an alright, they got a really good match with AJ Styles for IC title. Um, but I think Kalisto coming back and the whole—I don't understand. I can understand he's obviously frustrated, but I don't see the point in him turning heel. In my no. opinion. <laughs> Yeah, that seems a bit of a waste. Yeah, it seems like a waste of time. It's like, what's the point? The big build-up to him coming back for his injury to the next point, wanting to have a scrap with um, with his teammates, just it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I think the problem is the Um, fact that SmackDown for the past about three years, the tag team division has been the Usos and the New Day. So when you take them out, you're left with nothing. And the Forgotten Sons, obviously, are, are now forgotten. So, um, yeah. So. <laughs> um, oh, so match, what, was, what was the match tonight, Robbie? Uh, I'd probably have to say uh, AJ, Jeff Hardy. What did you make of the Thunderdome? It was a debut on SmackDown. Uh, very unique. I actually kind of liked it. Um, I have to say I'm a wee bit annoyed with 
how some folk have slipped through the gaps of some of the wee dodgy things, like I think somebody put up an image of Chris, Chris Benoit. Yeah, we've got we've got, like that, so that. we've got more of that in the news. We've got more of that in the news section later on. Actually, we'll get we'll get it's it's interesting, and I think it's a good step forward for the company. It's better than the, the performance centre. Absolutely. We we um the glass everywhere, so it's good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. John, just before we leave SmackDown, did anyone catch Bray Wyatt's new nickname? Because John will love it. The Pied Piper of Puppets. Yeah. Oh, no. I missed that one as well. Just, oh. a, a little bit of sick came up in my mind. Oh, like, I noticed Tori was saying it a lot on Friday, but I think he wasn't really saying it by Sunday. So maybe he got told no on that one. Yes, that's uh, taking mm. alliteration a step too far. Um, now let's move on to what looked like a from setup from uh, SummerSlam, a very promising Raw last night. Gary, did it live up to expectations? Um, I'm still no sure. Right, <laughs> yeah. so, Let's go for it. So I was going to bury, firstly, people, um, and, and we're going to get into it later with the signs, uh, as has just been mentioned. So I'll just completely avoid that. We'll not talk about it, and we'll just talk about it in the news. My first put over, I've got a put over that is going to lead into a bury, and anyone that watched Rob will, Rob will probably know why. My put over is Keith Lee. So mm. they gave him a superb build, I think I mentioned this when we uh, done our preview show where I said, I'm going to put myself over here, that Keith Lee would drop the title on NXT and we wouldn't see him in NXT again. He'd be on Raw Smackdown very you soon. You did say that. You did say that. Yep. I mean, so, Gary the journalist. Again. <laughs> <laughs> That's one. I didn't have any info on that. It was just one that I thought was going to happen because of what we've seen for Keith Lee. Delighted with the build they got. You know, we uh, snip it on SummerSlam and then the full day on Raw, or like before Raw, they built it up, they built it up. Even at the start of Raw, they built it up. And I was like, right, the reason they got the title was so they can say former NXT champion. They done that, of course. They gave him the huge build. Didn't they know when he was going to debut? As soon as you hear that sound effect, I remember when you had, uh, is it Dave Lopan, the guy that does the, the music? He was talking about how music needs a hook at the start how it needs that, you know, Stone Cold's glass smashing. We got that for Keith Lee, and I'm like, oh, he's coming out here to confront Randy Orton. It's going to be like when John Cena put on these matches where, you know, Sami Zayn and, and, and all the kind of Kevin Owens. It's going to be that. It doesn't matter if it's win or loss. Keith Lee is going to be made a star, and then the actual music hits in, and they've changed the actual music, and it's generic, create a wrestler music 101, and sounds absolutely terrible. Yeah. Then it's we, completely ruined my week. It's I've, I've, ah, it's it's the worst. Oh, it was absolutely disgraceful. Well, that like so so that's kind of my, my put over on my my Barry kind of bridge because also my thing my favorite thing ever is Keith Lee's promo style. I'm I'm hoping it stays the same on Raw. I think it was brilliant. I seen a few people that weren't too familiar with NXT moaning about it, but uh, I mentioned on Twitter that I think he's like a gazelle trapped in a rhino's body. Um, <laughs> And not only that, because he moves like a gazelle, you know, it can be the big bruiser, it can be the luchador in the ring, but he's almost Shakespearean, he's like poetic yeah. in the talks. I just think it's so refreshing, it's so brilliant. He still comes across as menacing, despite being this big soft-spoken guy. Um, so that's another part of the put-over. But then we're bridging back to the Barry for the last thing on Keith Lee. Oh, I'm sorry, I should say the put-over, the fact that he's getting a rematch with Randy Orton after a pretty decent match. You know, it's good that his first pay-per-view match is going to be against Randy Orton. As long as he doesn't get squashed, that's good anyway. And I don't think he will because they put on a decent contest last night. But the, the other half of the bury 
on Keith Lee is the attire. For me, mm. I don't know why you... I, I kind of know why you do cover up his physique. But for me, Keith Lee isn't like... He's, you can tell he's not out of shape. You can see his abs. He's just a big guy. He's just a big, thick guy. You can still see that he's a, you know, a very fit guy. Hunters of stamina in the ring. Putting that top on him doesn't do him any kind of justice. But the main problem is the shorts. The shorts were short and they were very baggy. I thought we were going to get a wardrobe malfunction at some point during the match because they were that <laughs> short and baggy. Um, but See, I was just... Like, give him a singlet. Like, I, shorts and t-shirt. Give him a singlet. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Just, I think it reminisced about a skirt, to be honest. Aye, that was the problem. I thought it was a skirt at first. And oh I was like, God. oh, it's just terrible. It's, so for me, I think it was just a few wee presentation things. The one thing I'll say, a lot of people were overreacting a wee bit to this on Twitter. I think it's the kind of thing that WWE, you know, people kind of understate. They do actually pay attention. People wonder about the Apollo Crews music. It got changed. That's been tweaked several times. I don't think, you know, they're a bit too stubborn that they might not change it back to the original, but I think they will try and tweak some things. But either way, overall, I'm still quite excited for what happens with Keith Lee. So they are first... He raps on his own music and they're trying to bake him as far like not be John Cena. I uh, maybe, but it's just, it's the kind of, it's the same as the Big E thing, which they are doing well, where it's don't change it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. You no, know, that's, that's it. It's like, that because you get that brilliant bit where everybody goes, Keith Lee, I, yeah. I'm not going to get that. It's nice. And know? like, everyone's heard his music from the Rumble. And like at the Rumble, his music got a pop because everyone knew that it was Keith Lee. Yeah. And Survival Series as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's established anyway. Like, I, I just, it's slightly annoying. Um, but either way, I'm still kind of, looking forward to seeing what he does. So, you know, the, the first Barry and put over are both Keith Lee, but I'm still excited for him. Yeah. Um, so the second Barry, how can, after, and you're going to think I'm going somewhere else with this, I think, for the first sentence, but how can, after having your eye injured for about the past month, you only have a bandage around it and not have an actual eye patch or something that actually contains the eye? Alistair Black during the Kevin Owens show segment, rest of the segment, it was brilliant, but he literally just had a bandage wrapped around his eye. Um, literally a black bit of cloth. So there you go, another fashion design. I've, I've been talking about them as well. I'm taking a leaf at Alex's book. I'm moaning about Keith Lee's shorts. We've been talking I'm, about fashion. Let's just turn it to fashion daft this week. <laughs> but, uh, aye, so that. But again, the rest of the segment was good. So I'm kind of being pernickety. I was trying not to bury, you know, stuff that like the crowd, and I didn't really want to bury the fact that there was a lot of changes. I know they took a lot out of Raw Underground, but I like what they left in, so I don't want to bury what we didn't get to see. That'd be pretty stupid. Um, my last put over, and this is only a kind of personal one for me, last year, I interviewed Rey Mysterio, and we kind of spoke about how long he's got left in the ring, because we know that at that kind of point in time, his knees were a bit gubbed. Um, he went through a bit of stem cell treatment, looks in good shape now, but he said that he could happily retire. Firstly, he said Dominic would be in the ring before the end of 2020, so good prediction. Um, but he also said that he could retire happily when he shared the ring with Dominic. Last night, he got to share the ring with Dominic. Really good match, I thought, up until obviously what happened with Retribution. And even then, I quite liked that, although there was a few wee plot holes in it. Um, but yeah, I, I just liked seeing Rey Mysterio and Dominic in the ring. And especially after SummerSlam, I really liked seeing Dominic. I was like, right, we might see him again at Payback, I guess. Did they think they'd come straight in the next day and have him back in the ring again? So it was just a nice wee kind of sentimental thing to see him in the ring with his dad. Yeah, what happened with Retribution? Sorry, I've not caught up in Raw yet. They invaded uh, at the very end. 
Um, so they invaded Durin, Rey Mysterio, and Dominic against Murphy and Seth Rollins. How many were there? How many were there? Five or six. Right. Um, five or six. But uh, Rey Mysterio, obviously, kind of sly heel, slid out of the ring, took Murphy away him. And Rey Mysterio, uh, sorry, Rollins went out of the ring, took Murphy away him. Rey Mysterio was outside the ring. Dominic was unsurrounded. Rey went and tried to save Dominic and couldn't get away from them. The one wee plot hole is on SmackDown. Obviously, the foul locker room came out to to kind of get their, you know, get retribution out of there. The explanation, I think, is that Drew McIntyre, the locker room leader, um, as we've had established over the past few weeks, was in an ambulance on his way to hospital. So maybe that, and hopefully he comes back, gives the locker room a bit of bollock, and, and that's the kind of thing. And Seth Rollins is obviously the self-proclaimed locker room leader, and he let it all happen. So hopefully that's kind of something, but it wasn't bad what they done last night. It was kind of easy to identify who Retribution were last night for the most part. But again, don't know if that means it'll be the people that are under the masks when the masks come off. Who, who was there last night then, Gary? Me, I am. Right. Yeah, right. she's now, obviously, has to come up. Yeah. They, they like to keep couples together. Caden yeah. um, Carter, we think, um, it looked like her very, you know, height and stature-wise, wearing Converse, looked like Caden Carter. Um, I think Chelsea Green, and then Dominic Dijakovic. I noticed he was on he was on um, SmackDown, wasn't he? Yeah, and the other guy. Oh, sorry. So there was five, three, three women, two guys. I think the other guy that I couldn't quite uh, decide between. A lot of people think it's Dio Madden, but I think it was a wee bit too short for him. I thought it was Daniel Vito, but the one thing about him is I'm not sure how far his uh, tattoo sleeve goes down because the guy had the sleeves rolled up three quarter, and you could see a wee bit of skin, but it looked like Daniel Vito stature wise. Right. Um, but again. Who knows if that's who we'll actually see when the masks come up. Come who off. knows? I don't think they even know who's getting no. underneath those masks. I think they've finally got an end game with Retribution, and I think it somehow involves the big dog. And I don't know how they're going to get there, but it's going to happen. And maybe it'll explain why they didn't attack Seth, because they'll do a Roman Seth, Sasha, Bailey. That's oh, a good theory. Wreck everything theory. and leave is the, is the new Roman Reigns motto, and that's kind of what Retribution are doing. So well, there you go. Uh, match of the night then, Gary? So I was going to say Keith Lee, Randy Orton, but I'm going to disqualify because I've talked about Keith Lee, Randy Orton enough. I'm going to chuck in a wee curveball here just because it was not the most amazing match, but it showcased someday in the most perfect way. It was Zelina Vega and the Iconics versus Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, and the woman who got the big showing, Bianca Belair, looked absolutely incredible. And I think I say that every time we see her which is once every three months. So I look forward to seeing it again in another three months. But Bianca Belair had a, a standout showing in that match. Cool. I want Bianca versus Oscar. Give us Bianca versus Oscar. <laughs> yes. It's not unreasonable. <laughs> Bianca was not ready for an NXT. She's ready now. No, that would be good. That would be good. Brilliant. Uh, well, listen, thanks very much for joining us, Robbie, and doing SmackDown for us. Um, no, no problem. No worries. Well, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime soon. And remember, if you want to get a buddy and put ours for Rab and Gradle on the big show this Friday, you can get them at Wrestling Daft on Twitter, on Insta at Wrestling Daft Podcast, and just plain old Wrestling Daft on Facebook. Dojo ni modoto betsu no nihon o mahuasu tokiga kita. That translates to it's the time to return to the Jojo for another edition of Turning Japanese, apparently. Well done, John. That was actually very impressive. Thank that you. was very impressive. Thank you. 
Uh, what's been going on in NJPW this week, Alex? Oh, yeah, I make a suggestion before we get into this. See, every week on uh, Turning Japanese, can we intro with John saying a famous wrestling catchphrase in Japanese? <gasps> yeah, and then you've got to guess it. I like yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, up for it. I'm up for it. Absolutely. From next week, we'll make that happen. What's been happening, Alex? So I'm going to start with a really interesting, well, I say really interesting, a mildly interesting tidbit I learned. So in New Japan, John Moxley is known as Death Rider, which is kind of what they called his finisher instead of the paradigm shift. And a story came out of where that came from. So basically, before, well, before Moxley debuted, they made the promo video for him. And basically, they had to use a stand-in because John hadn't actually been to Japan yet to start. And so they needed a leather jacket. So they sent the stand-in to like a Japanese charity store to get a jacket. And it just so happened the jacket you bought had the words Death Rider on the back of it and they just <laughs> continued to use it. So, great. Love it. So um, we also had the, the results of the fan vote of the crazy matches. So we are, we are not getting the all finisher match, which I'm slightly disappointed about. We're instead getting the no finisher match, which I'm kind of a bit... That's true, yeah, exactly. We've already seen the WWE version, we're now going to get the New Japan version, and we're only getting and we're getting the two pinfall count match between Toriano and um, yes, between that other match as well. So, uh, I'm, I'm interest, interested to see how these turn out. And they're apparently bringing back English commentary for their main shows in the next couple of weeks, which will be quite good as they've not had it live. They've been doing Kevin Kelly over the top of it and it takes a couple of days to come up. So I've not been following Summer Struggle too much. But we also had the final of um, our New Japan Cup USA, to which, can you guess who won? I know who won, so I will refrain from saying. (laughs) John? Who was in it again? Kent and David Finlay. That's and right. who did Alex go? That's right. I guess David Finlay. They're right to put David Finlay over. No, unfortunately not. Oh, right, unfortunately, yeah. I managed to call that entire cup, so I'm just putting my own New Japan prediction stock really through the roof <laughs> right now, and they say wrestling isn't predictable. But, um, the highlight for me personally was seeing one of my favorite New Japan wrestlers come back, which is a man named Jay White, who's not been wrestling for the company for six months. He is the leader of the Bullet Club, or was until the evil situation kicked off in the last yeah exactly <laughs> so i think we're going to start seeing a bit more of a bullet club presence come stateside so i the anderson gallows i think might start to turn up we might even they might even try some kind of bullet club international faction war or something which i think could be quite good they've already done a mini bullet, bullet club civil war we can have another one but another but the most interesting thing for me was how many ring of honor talents are starting to show up on these shows. So particularly they had Flip Gordon and Brody Lee, Brody King, who I'd argue are two of the bigger talents in, um, in Ring of Honor, which is starting to make me worry, worry about the future of some of the smaller promotions. Mm-hmm. And as I'll talk about later on the show as well, that we've got the NWA Women's Champion turning up in AEW. So starting to get a little bit concerned about some of the smaller American promotions that aren't able to work just now. I know that ROVH might be slightly problematic due to issues with Marty Skrull and stuff, but it'd be something to keep an eye on how they progress over the next couple of months. You might see Joe Hendry turning up in New Japan. I'd be up for it. I'd be very up for it. I can't think of any Scottish talent we've ever had in New Japan, New Japan so far. Yeah, he would work, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think he'd be yeah, good. Definitely if, would work, guy. I think he'd take it. So there you go. That's something to take out of the show, guys. Get Joe Henry on New Japan Strong on a Friday night. <laughs> 
We've got loads of new content up on our Patreon right now, and you can have it by signing up to patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft. On there right now, you will have here, it kind of doesn't make sense now, but we did a SummerSlam preview, so if you haven't watched SummerSlam yet and they're saving it, you can listen to our SummerSlam preview. Then you can listen to a review, which has been done by Mr. Robert Forms. He reviewed the show. Um, going up tonight, which is Tuesday, Chapter 2 of the Grado story, It's Yourself, as we chart his rise up the ICW ranks to win the World Heavyweight Championship against Drew at the SECC. Lots of interesting stuff in there. Talks a lot about how the match came together, how the build came, tagging with Colt Cabana, um, just loads of good stuff in there. So yeah, you can get that right now as we speak on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash wrestling Loads of tiers to choose from. Um, with lots of additions in tier one you'll get a full video version of this podcast voting the rest of wrestling daft you get ad free versions early episode access tier two you'll get all the bonus episodes you'll get pay-per-view parties we didn't do one for SummerSlam, but we're definitely going to do one for all out because that's on a saturday night so we're going to get drunk and watch all out together we're going to do that a week on saturday um, and in tier three you'll get a t-shirt if you sign up for four months chance to come on as a mark or do the running lots of extra stuff up there so get involved right now patreon.com forward slash wrestling that we'd love to welcome you to our roster judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Bad news. Bad, 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 bad news. It's... The Wrestling News with Gary Cassidy. And for the first time in I don't remember how long, I think we've got news that is completely devoid of coronavirus news. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> Gary's Incredible. just spoiled it. You've spoiled it before it started. You should have saved that for the end and just been like, we've not mentioned corona for the entire book. So we mentioned it in the buddies and putovers a bit earlier on, but... Um, People are taking advantage of the Thunderdome and the screens that are up, and not in a good way, Gary. Yeah, I mean, I think we all knew this was something that would happen at some point. Obviously, the amount of like rules and regulations WWE put in, you're never going to be able to police this 100%. It would take someone watching every single screen for every second of the broadcast. But... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe people didn't expect what we might see on the screen. You mean, you mean, you mean people didn't just wear Pikachu costumes and sit right in the middle <laughs> of the screen for the entire SummerSlam? You mean people abused this? <laughs> well, yeah, there was also a well-known puppet called uh, Teddy Turnbuckle who interviews wrestlers who appeared as well, which I really liked. I pop seeing him. Um, I think it's a him named Teddy. So, um, but yeah, obviously beyond Pikachu and Teddy Turnbuckle we've saw some slightly more sinister things happening, like the very start of Raw, where Chris Benoit made an appearance uh, on the Thunderdome screen. Just a screenshot of a Chris Benoit um, photo of him standing in front of two, uh, two pictures. 
So obviously, you know, this is the kind of thing that, while it isn't good to joke about, that's the kind of thing it's like, right, well, we knew that was probably going to happen. The same with the Fire Velveteen Dream sign somebody held up. Of course, that's going to happen in this day and age. We know what wrestling fans are like. While they're investing all their time to do this on a WWE show, they will remain adamant they don't like WWE and they're against everything WWE stands for. So, of course, that kind of thing's going to happen. It got a wee bit worrying later on in the night. I don't know how it can get more worrying than Chris Benoit images being up there, but it did. Um, So, we got not only someone dressed in KKK attire, we got a beheading video uh, as well during Raw, which obviously, you know, it's it's kind of difficult because there's nothing that WWE can really do to combat this, aside from either, you know, charging for tickets as a deterrent, um, maybe, you know, increasing the latency between what actually is the live broadcast and informing, you know, cameramen to turn away, until they kick the people off the stream. It's a really difficult thing to police, um, but Pro Wrestling Sheet did get a statement from WWE on it, uh, and they said um, that they are looking to ban the user, which you would think would be the case anyway. I believe they already did ban the person with the Fire Velveteen Dream sign, or they were looking into doing that. Um, But they said this abhorrent behavior does not reflect the company, um, or sorry, WWE's values, and we've got zero tolerance for these unacceptable acts. We are working to ban those involved from future events and per our policy, any inappropriate actions result in removal from the live stream. So it's a kind of, it's a weird one because we always knew this was going to happen. You know, nobody's going to sit there and just behave on a stream or not everybody is, I should say, you know, 90% of the people could do it, but the the 10% or even 1% that was to slip through could ruin it for everybody if they're putting up videos of people being beheaded and wearing KKK attire and putting up Chris Benoit photos and, and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see what changes they do going forward. One thing I personally noticed last night that they were doing, I've put up a wee photo of this on Twitter, is they were doing a instant duplication with the screens. So if you took a screenshot of what was on the screen when it was at a wide angle, you could see the same person being on the screen two or three times so maybe that's one way they're combating it when they kick somebody off screen rather than having a blank screen it just duplicates to somebody else being on the screen but yeah I guess only time will tell but I don't envy WWE being in this, in this position and having to try and eradicate that because every wrestling journalist is just sitting watching the streams looking for an <laughs> AEW wrestler. Let's uh, face the facts. That's uh, what they're looking uh, for. And they're looking for these stories of... She Johnny takes the hat off. Or Enzo Amore. Or Enzo Amore. That is what... And it will, I think it will happen. I think it will happen at some point. Um, Indie wrestlers are going to be doing it, of course. That's, that's got to be the way. that They're uh, going to be doing it to get their face shown. Absolutely. I, did, I fully expect Gradle to pop up at some point. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about? He's already been on the network and, and they didn't pay him for that, so he won't go on until they pay him properly for this. That's true. If you listen to last uh, week's uh, show, the Gradle, all he was looking for was three, three months free on the <laughs> WWE Network. That's all he wanted in return for being up there. He didn't even get that. Um, last night's Raw, Gary, I saw you reporting this. There was a lot of changes made, including some major ones to Raw Underground. I got to this super late. I posted about two hours, uh, I say two hours ago, it'll be four hours ago when the podcast goes out, I guess, saying, as far as I know and what I've been told, WWE Raw was changed on the fly last night. It was, you know, completely rewritten at seven o'clock on Vince McMahon's 75th birthday, no less, and that it completely changed everything. It was a mess beforehand. 
And then I realized that four other people have reported it anyway. <laughs> um, one of them being a bit more specific as well. So PW Insider and Dave Meltzer both kind of reported it. One said 7.20 p.m., so they were even more accurate than me. Uh, but the main outlet that got to this, and they actually put this part out, I believe, last night as Raw was happening, uh, about Raw Underground. So Raw Underground, there was no real advertisement for it last night up until 5 to 3 which is when it's been starting over the past couple of weeks. It did start a few minutes later anyway, but it was mainly Bobby Lashley destroying everyone. Apparently, there was a load of segments set for it. Um, Angel Garza was set to be there, which he wasn't there. That was meant to be, you know, there was a few... Yeah, there was a a Dolph Ziggler segment, um, and he has been really impressive, obviously, because he's got an amateur wrestling background. Garza was meant to be there. That was cut out. Jessamyn Duke was meant to be there, I believe, in a kind of squash match scenario, just showcase her a bit more. And Marina Shafir was meant to be there, doing kind of the same. The big surprise, which also got cut, was that Riddick Moss was meant to face... Titus O'Neil. That's the match everyone wants to see. <laughs> That's a main event, man. That's a main event right there. Well, Chris Jericho, we mentioned it on the podcast a few weeks ago, said Titus O'Neil was one of the stiffest men that he'd worked against. So <laughs> maybe he's built for Raw Underground. But yeah, um, Fightful said that they didn't know why those had been removed, but obviously reported that almost everything got changed at that magic time. They were the ones that said 7.20, but that magic time is 7 o'clock on Vince McMahon's 75th birthday. <laughs> I mean, I can't understand why they would pull a potential Titus O'Neil Riddick Moss match from the card. I can't so imagine. Payback, back, John. Payback. <laughs> Main event. <laughs> uh, and finally, um, this comes from a former WWE writer, Dave Schilling, saying that um, Kofi, uh, this comes off the back of, I think, Miz and Big E had a bit of a, a tense exchange on Talking Smack. Uh, and apparently from this, we found that not everyone really was bought into Kofi as champion. Yeah, so that, uh, that Talking Smack clip is one everyone should check out. I'm still not sure, and it it proves to how kind of genius the concept of Talking Smack has been in terms of what Miz has done with it. I don't know how much it was work, how much was shoot, and I think that's why I love Talking Smack. But yeah, their exchange there was good, and uh, as you said, Dave Schillen uh, responded to the clip, and it was kind of mainly about Kofi Kingston's role, um, and it was like a claim that no one in the company had any real um, kind of belief that he was going to be a credible WWE champion. Um, there no one that had any sway anyway was, was of that belief and thought that he was going to be doing really good work. Biggie in the clip had said that Kofi had his legs cut out for under him uh, when he lost the title, which pretty difficult to disagree with everybody, um, with anybody that's seen that clip, the, or sorry, the match with Brock Lesnar. And this was uh, Dave Schilling replying to Andrew Hale, who's a good friend of the New Day, works for, um, I think it's pronounced Dazone, um, that do all the Bellator stuff, but he's a good friend of the New Day. And the exact quote for Schilling was, I was there, I saw it. No one who had any real sway believed in Kofi. Um, so I guess that would, wouldn't would go down as a surprise. It would explain a lot of things about the way Kofi lost the title. But again, we'll see what happens with Big E going forward because it does seem like he's getting the start of a good push. So I guess times might have changed or, or you know, Maybe one person's word isn't always to be believed, but if it's somebody that's in the writing room, they definitely are somebody that you would you would definitely take on board what they're saying. Yeah. Roman Reigns versus Big E would be a match I could invest in. Reigns to win the title, Big E to win the Rumble is a... Uh... Oh, it's a call already <laughs> out there. My words, my word. Uh, 
let's see how that progresses. Gary, thank you very much for the news. No, 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 no. You can't mention a news segment with Talking Smack and not talk about the biggest Talking Smack related story of the week, John. Rennie. There you Rennie go. Young. Oh, I think we mentioned it on last week's show, anyway. Yeah, Rennie. Aye, I think so, aye. She's going to turn up in AW, though, isn't she? Oh, I thought we didn't mention it last week, and that's why I kind of yeah. flicked up and checked the news segment. I'm like, John's not mentioned it. <laughs> I know. Poor, Re- <laughs> poor Rennie. She'll land her feet, whether it's in wrestling promotion or just doing sports in general. She'll, she'll be, she's great, so... She's going to be still working with WWE in a non-WWE capacity. She's going to be working on so, Fox, isn't she? Backstage is being rebranded, apparently, so... There you go, there you go. And she's going to be still on it. But it'll be interesting to see if she's Renee Young or Renee Paquette because she's changed her Twitter name to that, which is her real name. There you go, there you go. We'll wait and see where Renee pops up. But uh, thank you very much for the news, Gary. Thank you. Welcome to Fancy Booking Island. Once again, while we're sitting on the beach, it's time to book something in the world of wrestling out on the Fancy Booking Island Wrestling Daft Draft. This week is Big Alex, meaning me and Gary are stranded on the beach. I've been stranded here for some time now, however, and it's time to get off this island and get the book in my hand, so I'm hoping for a win today. We did bring a bottle of water this week before you dehydrate too much. Yeah, thanks. You know you're not very good with sun. Uh, Alex, what are we booking this week? You're booking a heel Roman Reigns off the back of if he is heel, if he's not here, who cares? This is Fantasy Booking Island. And at least give us some kind of storyline to put a heel Roman Reigns into. Okay, so three minutes to book this. As usual, we decide who's going first by flipping something that's close to Gary. What he's got a badge this time. He's got a badge, so got a badge we can actually time. get a head and tails here. So uh, you caught me. Oh, oh, wait, I've dropped the badge, so pick it up and flip it again so it's fair um, I'll go for heads because I should go for the bit that's got my head, head on it yeah and as heads Gary wins with his own head first I mean, or second Gary first or second I'm gonna go first just in case you've got the same thing as me because we know that happened oh. a few weeks ago and I benefited <laughs> right okay no problem start um, the I'll, clock I'll give you some good news before we start the clock though I've not written anything down Excellent. Because it's something that I've been, it's an adaption of something that I've been wanting for a while, so I've not written it down. Right, brilliant. Here we go then. Start the clock, Alex. So the Roman Reigns that we've seen may or may not be heel, so I've decided to book him going into Roman Reigns as a heel. We've got, you know, the, the match at payback. We've got Roman Reigns, who may be face, may be heel, against Bray Wyatt, who we don't know if he's face or heel, and Braun Strowman, who we think is heel, but he's the biggest face in SmackDown. I've got that match happening, and Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt end up knocking lumps at each other so that they end up way out of the ring, but Braun Strowman is incapacitated. We hear that noise of the bulldozer. Otis comes in, cashes in his money in the bank, and he becomes the new Universal Champion. We get a little feud between uh, Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt going forward with, again, that tweener thing going on. We don't know what one's face, what one's heel. Towards the end of the rivalry, you know, Roman Reigns people are like, oh, he is a wee bit more edgy. We say Otis feuds with Sheamus. We'll just chuck that name in there. Or AJ Styles and comes out the winner anyway. Roman Reigns wins the rivalry with Bray Wyatt. Otis is out to challenge his new competitor and Roman Reigns comes out and annihilates Otis on the mic. Everything, the fat jokes that Miz was using, absolutely everything, kind of solidifies himself as a heel, wins the title and ends up as the new Universal Champion. 
holds the belt all the way to the Rumble and subsequently all the way to WrestleMania because the person who wins the Rumble, it's not Big E as I've just said, the person who wins the Rumble is The Rock and we get a face The Rock against a heel Roman Reigns at the SoFi Stadium in California. Um, so that is literally it. That's all I had down. And I think a heel Roman Reigns via Face the Rock would main event anything. So that's where I'm going. Might not be popular, but I want to see it. Can I give you 10 points for plausibility on that one? Because I can kind of see that, that like the, the wheels turning in Vince McMahon's head. It's like, so why would I turn Roman heel? So you can have a Face Rock versus a heel Roman Vince. And that's, that's actually yeah. a very telling argument. And you can just turn them back at the end of the match as well. You can have the two of them hugging The Rock do his thing where he proclaims Roman Reigns to be the next big thing like he tried to do at the Royal Rumble a few years ago. But can we not have Otis going over AJ Styles? I don't think I could take that. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe give him Sheamus. That That's That's fine. So I saw John looked slightly worried during that booking at the mention of Otis. It's, it's good, because Otis is a big part of my booking here. So. Okay. So. <laughs> right, okay. I'm going to struggle to beat that, but here it goes anyway. Start the clock, Alex. So Roman in his new tweener stroke heel, we'll call him a heel, obviously. Um, the booking is a heel, John. The booking is a heel. So basically over the next couple of weeks, you're just going to see him coming out and battering everyone. Like in the middle of the match, he's just coming out battering people. So Shorty G, Drew Gulak, all three members of the Lucha House Party, They'll get absolutely annihilated over the next couple of matches. There's no explanation. doesn't pick up the mic because there's a, a triple threat set for Clash of Champions between him, Strowman, and The Fiend. He's just making sure that they know this is his yard and he runs it. So the, the triple threat happens at uh, Clash of Champions. Um, but before that, the same is about to happen to Otis. He's about to get battered as well. He's been a singles match with Cesaro with some sort of march towards the tag team championship between him and Tucky. Um, anyway, basically, again, Roman Reigns walks down the middle of the match, is about to, basically batters Otis. He's about to spear him. Mandy runs down, gets in the way of the spear and says, don't do it, don't do it to Otis. Roman Reigns spears Mandy Rose because what more of a heel is to do it? There's your heel right there. And then, but that he's not finished there. He puts Otis's legs, uh, ankle into a chair, and he super punches the chair and breaks Otis's ankle. Apparently, so there we go. He's on the end of the list. Otis is on the end of the list. Poor Tucky's not got a chance at the tag team championship anymore. Anyway, Clash of Champions comes round. Triple Threat match. Roman picks up the belt. Uh, Braun and the Fiend go on to to feud. Uh, and actually I'll become an alliance after that match, which creates some sort of mad kind of uh, Braun Strowman in Firefly Funhouse kind of character going on and a proper big monster and they align and they, that goes elsewhere. Anyway, getting back to Roman, uh, he then gets a feud with returning Daniel Bryan, defends the belt all the way up to Survivor Series um, at the various pay-per-views with Bryan. At Survivor Series, it's Team Roman, a lot of reluctant superstars get involved against Team Raw and NXT. So we've got Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Big E and Tucky on Team SmackDown. However, SmackDown somehow, despite this disparity, disparaging um, and all the shenanigans, they win the match with three left in the ring at the end. Daniel Bryan, Roman and Tucky. Their arms are raised. However, 
Daniel Bryan logos Roman Reigns and Tuck heads outside, grabs a chair, whacks him with it, then waves to the back. And who comes out? The bulldozer sound effect. And out comes Otis, who basically crashes in his money in the bank and wins. Just under three minutes. Oh, he got it just in time as well. I was actually... Can I just say that I wasn't actually going to get Otis to win the match? I just said it wins at the end. I was going to have Otis basically went for the caterpillar, screws it, you know, goes for the pin, Roman kicks out, spears him and retains the championship because what more of a heel thing to do than put Buddy Otis totally... I oh, you've made it really difficult now, John, because if you had got that in, you probably almost definitely would have won. I know, I ran out of time. I just like, saw the watch and I was like, oh. Yeah, like, I, can I mean, you're both getting negative points because neither of you have rebranded Roman Reigns and that was kind of part of the challenge as well. That, that was the bit I forgot because in my mind, the thing I forgot to say that I was going to have Otis, uh, sorry, Otis, I was going to have uh, Roman Reigns be the leader of Retribution as well and I completely forgot to put it <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like, I'm torn. I'm really, really torn. Can can I go? Because technically, you both failed half the challenge, and I like both stories instantly, and John technically almost went over time to give his story enough weight to catch up to Gary's. I'm declaring this a draw, gentlemen. Oh. I'm declaring this our first wrestling death draw, right? 50% unsatisfactory performance, 50% draw storylines. <laughs> so, John, you going over has cost you again, but this time... I tell you what, see for next week, and if it is a draw, why don't we get the listeners to uh, get us to do a fantasy booking island? They've got to set the challenge for next week, and then they can call the winner. We'll get the listeners to call the winner next week on Patreon. Okay, so you two can settle this in a wrestling draft fight pit of... No, no, you're involved in this as well. It's a three-way. It's a triple threat. Oh, man, no, because then Alex will just win every week. (laughs) Yeah, I think I need to be discounted out of this. Oh, no, this is just for next week. This is just for next week. This is just just, a triple threat. Statistics on, the only week I've lost was the week that Gary Gary actually disqualified me because I didn't book his wrestling. Oh, right, here the streak continues. You're just scared of the streak, Alex. Fantasy Booking Island. I just want you to win for once, John. Fantasy Booking Island next week is a triple threat. The Patreons will decide the winner and we'll get a suggestion from the Wrestling Daft listeners of what we're fantasy booking next week, okay? Okay. Woo! So, Gary, um, you've been catching up with some more big stars and this week it was Eric Young of Impact fame now. What was he saying to it? Yeah, so um, obviously former WWE superstar, maybe not used the best after his NXT run in WWE, but he is an Impact Wrestling Triple Crown Champion. So it wasn't a big surprise to see him go back to Impact. This um, interview took place after he'd had, you know, his return at Slammiversary, but before his first singles match. So he's had one singles match since returning. Um, Got to speak to him about, you know, why he went back to Impact, uh, what he was looking forward to doing in Impact, who he was looking forward to working with. Oddly, he actually mentioned another former WWE talent and not one of the recent ones in this interview is the person he wants to work with. So it was really interesting. He looks primed to take on Eddie Edwards, I think at Bound for Glory. Not announced yet, but I think that's where we're going for the Impact World Championship. So it was a really interesting kind of, you know, experience to get to talk to him about that. And of course, he spoke a lot about why he left WWE and what happened after leaving. So really interesting one. Something I enjoyed doing because... 
as we spoke about on Friday. I'm a mark for Eric Young. I've got an Eric Young hoodie that I just bought recently. So hopefully people enjoy it half as much as I did because I don't think they'll get to the point of enjoying it all the way as much as I did. But even half as much is enough. If you enjoy it that much, you'll, you'll enjoy it. So here he is on Wrestling Daft. It's Eric Young. Hi everyone and welcome to another very special Impact interview with Sportskeeda Wrestling. My guest today, well, I wasn't going to give it away, I was just going to say they're a pretty super guest. He's a triple crown Impact champion who recently returned to the company at Slammiversary. He's the world class maniac, it's EY Eric Young. How's it going today Eric? Going good man, going good. Glad to hear it. I need to start off by asking, you're someone whose name came up a lot even before Slammiversary when I was asking, you know, any talent, who do you want to see back at Impact? They were all saying Eric Young. You were out of the company, though, for a pretty big chunk of time, I'd say, and a lot has changed in that time. What was it like returning to Impact? Was it like coming home, or was it like debuting somewhere completely new? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a level of both. It's, uh, it, it, it's interesting because, you know, missed a step at all anyway so it was probably the same Eric Young from a way back when it was a different company which was great to see uh, the one thing that you know I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask it wasn't just yourself who ended up in Impact at Slammiversary and just after obviously a lot of those guys came from the same place as yourself and are now in Impact did any of them ask you for any advice before signing since you're you know essentially a TNA legend Uh, you know, very close with Jose, very close with, with Ryder and Hawkins, 
uh, you know, like th- these are some of my very good friends in the industry. So there was obviously an open conversation about, you know, what we're going to do and, you know, what's their plan. And, and to be honest, you know, like I don't, I'm not a person that really thinks very far ahead. Like I had talked to Scott and I can say that Scott DeMore and me are, are very close, have been close for years. Um, I've known him for 20 plus years. Uh, and he was one of the first people to call me and say, man, it sucks. And, you know, like, you know, I'm thinking about you, you know, whatever. I mean, I knew that it was coming. Uh, it didn't really upset me. Like, it, it was a bit of a relief more than anything for me. Some guys took it differently. Um, but for that, like, I knew that there was the option there. And it was definitely, you know, very high on my list. But I wanted to make sure that I had my, all my eyes dotted, my keys crossed to, to make sure. And to be honest, was the, the contract really wasn't signed until about a week before Slammiversary. So it was still very up in the air. Uh, it was something that I wanted to do, but things had to be right, uh, both uh, professionally, you know, financially, personally, for all of that to happen. And it did. And it's, uh, I've got the word fate tattooed on my right arm because I'm a big believer in that. Uh, and, and the world's got a funny way of working itself out exactly how it's supposed to. Most definitely, and that, that fate definitely took you back to impact. And I mentioned there that you're, you know, somewhat of a, a legend around those parts. There's a lot of veterans in that locker room right now. You know, you look at Rob Van Dam, Tommy Dreamer, Rhino, Ken Shamrock, a lot of those legends, and you are definitely one of them. I need to ask, what is your role in the locker room? What do you see it as? Are you the locker room leader? Is there a locker room leader in Impact right now? Uh, I feel like I, I've always kind of taken that role. Um, I don't know if I'm super verbal about it. You know, I I definitely, uh, I just kind of let, you know, my work ethic and my work and my, uh, how I carry myself do the leading for me. I mean, like, I'm not pulling guys aside and telling them what to do. And, you know, I, I'm not that, you know, I'm not a big rah-rah guy and get everyone together and, you know, try to make myself you know, look more important than I really am. I, I just, you know, I go about my business the way that I've always gone about it. Uh, and that will never change, no matter my level of stardom or where I am on the show or whatever. I, I show up to work and whatever I'm given, I'm going to work as hard on that thing as possible. And, and I think that's the kind of leadership in pro wrestling that it, it is the best. You mean, like when someone's preaching to you and rowdy is, is, there's a million different ways to go about it. You know, and for lack of a better word, pro wrestling is art. So, you know, like everyone's going to have their own take and their own, own way of doing things. If someone asks my opinion, I'm going to be honest. If someone, you know, one of the younger guys asked me to, to watch or if I saw their match and what I thought, then, then I'll tell them. If there's something that I really think they're doing wrong, I've earned it, then I can pull them aside and say, look, man, this isn't how it's done. you, you got to do it this way or you got to do it that way or think about changing this or think about changing that. And I can say to a lot of the young guys, like, really hungry to learn, which is, you know, exactly the same position I was in when I was younger and, and not as experienced. And I can say that wrestling on TV and wrestling just independently, those are two different things. And when you once you get on TV and you get, you know, you're, you're in this weekly program of, of extending your storyline, extending your character and trying to get it over, you realize that it's a very different thing. And I feel like my number one skill set is being a very good television wrestler. So I try to lead that way and by, by helping when I can. But it's never a forced thing. But I can say that there's a lot of potential in the Impact Locker Room, which is really exciting, man. It's like tons of guys that I want to work with, tons of guys that 
you know, even in my short amount of time, like, been exposed to some of the younger guys, and they're all respectful and hardworking, and, and, and I mean, just exciting to be part of a locker room like that. Definitely, and I need to ask you a few things about the product and those other talents in a little second, but there's one question that, again, I feel like I have to ask this one because it's, you know, the word on everyone's lips. You know, Kimberly just signed a long-term contract with Impact Wrestling. A lot of people don't really know much about contracts. I hope you don't mind me asking. You've been around for a while. You're obviously only 40 years old, though. I'd guess a lot of, a lot of gas left in that tank. Are you a fully fledged Impact Wrestling talent? Or are you on an exclusive contract and here for the long haul? Yeah, yeah, I am on an exclusive contract with Impact. Very excited about that. Uh, and like I said, like, I don't look too far ahead, and that may be a detriment to me, but I've just never been a person that looks that far ahead. Uh, I think, just especially with the society and the way, especially the wrestling business is, you're too worried about what's going to happen and not worried about what's happening right now. What's happening right now is uh, I'm, I'm in Impact Wrestling and I'm working on making that show and my part of that show the best that I possibly can. I'm not thinking six months down the road. I'm not even thinking a month down the road. And I, I think, that, you know, that has got me in trouble before. Uh, but I'm in a position now, you know, professionally and financially and stuff where I don't need to worry too much. I just need to concentrate on being the best me. And like you said, like I'm 40, but... You know, I, you know, doing the comedy wrestling for almost 10 years when I was Impact, uh, or when I was with TNA Wrestling earlier, I mean, that extended my career. Like, I'm I'm 40, but I've never missed a wrestling show from an injury, ever. Not an independent show, not a television show. Uh, I, I, I've never missed a single day, ever, because of injury. Uh, luckily, I'm knocking on wood as we speak. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I do have a lot of, a lot of gas left in the tank. It's just... I think for me it's just how much longer do I want to do it? Yeah, definitely. Sounds good. And I, I watched that um, interview you did with Chris Van Vliet where you were talking about how you are a live-in-the-moment kind of guy. That takes me to the moment right now. Um, you know, I recently interviewed a man that you're looking pretty familiar with an Impact right now, Eddie Edwards. He said you were the first person that he wanted to defend that Impact World Championship against. Of course, he's been doing his open challenges, so you're not the first but I would say you look like you're probably going to be the first major threat to him. What are your thoughts on Eddie, and when will we see that match? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Eddie is a guy that I work with some uh, before uh, my, my exit from TNA Wrestling when he was there uh, with Davey Richards. Uh, a guy that I respect a great deal. Um, one of the flag bearers for Impact, and a guy that's been with the company since uh, I left and came back, and he, you know, professionally, Eddie has, you know, nothing but my respect. He's a pro's pro. He can have a good match with anyone, any style. And I can say, like, we have worked, on, you know, a, a small amount in the past, but very limited. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, the course that we're on. Cause, I mean, for sure, I mean, you can see it. Everyone can see it. We are on a collision course. And, uh... I'm set to make some real memories with him, man, for sure. I, I want people to talk about it, and I want people to talk about it all over the world, and I'm going to make damn sure that they do. I'm already super excited for that match. I need to ask, on the opposite end of that scale, we know you've worked with Eddie in the past, but it's still going to be amazing. Are there any young talents who have caught your eye that you're desperate to work with? Uh, yeah, even just the, you know, like I said, the, just the one match you know that I've had since being back, but... Uh, 
the guys from the treehouse are, are all super interesting, super exciting. Uh, you know, Trey obviously was in the match that, that I was in and, and really held his own and a, a guy that I hadn't really seen a lot of. Um, you know, I, I'm quickly trying to, to pay as much attention to the show and, and uh, you know, go back and watch some of the recent pay-per-views and stuff to get acquainted with what people do and who they are and, uh, and what they bring because I feel that's an important part of, of being a professional. But, I mean, there's tons I mean, just, just tons of guys. And like you said, like older guys, like, uh, you know, a guy like Rhino was a guy that, I mean, me and him have, been, have worked together on and off for 10, 12 years, and we never really worked, you know, like never really shared a ring. I think we've tagged a couple times, have been involved in a couple things, but never really worked. Uh, Sam Rock is, is a guy that I, I respect a great deal and have always enjoyed him. Uh, I can say he's a super great dude, a great professional, but... Well, I'd like to test myself against someone like him. Uh, the North, you know, young, two, two guys from Canada that I'm pretty familiar with are, are unbelievable. The machine guns are back. I mean, I've had my battles with those guys before. It's a long list. You know, it's, it's exciting to think, like, the position that I'm in and the, the fact that impact is, is definitely uh, a collaborative effort, which, you know, for any person that's an artist or a performer, I mean, there's nothing more rewarding than that. I mean, a very, very understated but ultra-talented writing and creative team. And, I mean, really the sky's the limit. I mean, there is a budget, and, and you know, we don't uh, have unlimited money. And, and uh, you know, it's not, you know, like they've been around for 100 years. But it's at the crux. I, mean, I think everyone can feel the groundswell is Impact Wrestling is at a point where it's trending up even during the pandemic. It might be it's the only wrestling company that's growing. And, and I mean, I think there's a lot to be said about that. When we get back in front of live crowds, uh, you know, maybe possibly in the future start doing live shows and road shows, uh, expanding uh, the, the roster, uh, developing the current members of the roster and just making it better week in and week out. And that's what everybody wants to do. And that's it's exciting to be part of that. I, I can't say that enough. Like, literally, like, I'm bursting my soul. It feels, it feels so good to be in a place like that where you, you don't feel as handcuffed and, you, you know, you're not pushed into a corner. Everyone is allowed to excel and, and do what they do, and that's what Impact Wrestling is about. It's, it's showing everyone strength and, and highlighting most definitely and that excitement is something that definitely comes through in every interview with every impact talent that I do it's brilliant I've got two final questions two really quick ones um, both very different the first one I need to ask you know of course I would be remiss not to ask you for an update on this person poor Rich Swan. <laughs> he was on the receiving end of uh, quite a bit of brutality from yourself recently I need to ask why Rich Swan? do you know how he's doing or do you care how he's doing uh, I mean, uh, Eric Young, the world-class maniac, could care less than how rich <laughs> I warned him earlier to stay out of my way. Uh, it, in fact, wrestling ambassador Eric Young uh, is excited to have Rich Swan as part of the, the roster. You know, it's, this is a guy with, I mean, literally, in my opinion, limitless potential. Uh, you know, there's really, as far as professional wrestling goes, there's nothing that he can't do. Uh, and, uh, most definitely and I've got one final question I recently put an article on Impact where I said you know 
this isn't an overnight success. It might seem like it from Slammiversary, but three years of hard work have got to this point. Now the eyes of the world are on the product, maybe now more than ever. What do you feel about, you know, how far Impact Wrestling can go? How far do you think it can go? How far do you want Impact Wrestling to go? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, a lot of the younger guys on the roster, you know, like I said with Rich, it's, it's, it really is limitless. You know, it, you know, there's always the confines of business and money. And then the reality of it is Impact Wrestling is a business. It's it, just like, you know, the, the WWE is a business and AEW is a business. And there's always there's always limits to what you can do. And, and that's just the reality. It, it's living inside those limits and advancing, even though those limits exist, pushing past them. And like you said, like it's definitely not an overnight success. Uh, you know, and, and I think, yes, me and the Good Brothers and Heath and EC3 are a huge part of breaking these eyes. Like, I, I've been on TV for 16, 16 years. You know what I mean? Like, me showing up on your show in the pro wrestling world, it's a big deal. And, and those guys coming there and choosing to go there, none of us had a gun against their head. I don't need to work. I mean, I, I'm, I'm working at Impact because I choose to. I, I, don't, I don't need to work. I've been very smart. Uh, you know, I, I, I live a very humble and smart life. And the truth is, is, is I don't need to be there. I choose to be there because that's what I want. And I know the other guys are in the same position as me. None of them financially need to be there. They want to be there, and you know, business is business. But the truth is, is it, you know, this has been three years of a ton of blood, sweat, and tears. Not mine, not not Gallows and Anderson, not Heath, not EC3. We were elsewhere. So I'm not patting myself on the back for, for where Impact is, but I am saying I will be a big part of where it's going, and so will the other guys. But I said it earlier in the interview, it's like everyone that's been there, guys that are there now, guys that have been there in the past and moved on, like, you know, the wrestling world and myself owe them a debt of gratitude because they, they put them in a position to succeed, and that's what we're going to do. The thing is with the whole anniversary success, now the hard work starts. You know, this is now the eyes are on you, and people are wanting you to deliver. They're giving you their time. Time is money, and that's how the business of wrestling works. So you better make damn sure that you're ready to deliver. And I know I am. Most definitely, and that passion, which is a word that I know defines you, comes through very loud and clear. Thank you so much, Eric. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to see what you do in Impact. I oh, appreciate it, man. This is fun. So that's it for this week's show. Please rate, review and subscribe on Apple or get us wherever you get your podcast. Remember, go twice a week so you can catch us on a Friday with Rab and Grado, then us on a Tuesday as well. Rab and Grado back this week with Nick Aldis, the NWA champion, will be on Wrestling Daft if Grado's booked them properly. Um, remember your you homework... can answer my question about what's happening to NWA, John. Well, we can ask that question. Uh, the the homework was to watch Starcade '88, so remember to do that. Plus, we were talking about we were talking about this in the pub. If footballers were wrestlers, uh, we'll be talking about that. And we need a new theme suggestion for Grado since the WWE have cut it from the network, and we think going forward, he's definitely going to have to get a new theme. So we need just need ideas and suggestions for Grado's new theme. We'll be talking about that. Um, list of wrestling daft, however, this week is we get put up the best and worst wrestling catchphrases. And it shock horror, our usual listeners, they want to hear us talk about the worst wrestling catchphrases 
Do any stand out for you guys? I think almost all of Chris Jericho's are really bad, but because he's Chris mm. Jericho, he makes them absolutely incredible. I think if you look at them on paper, they're all terrible. However, if we're going to go for a catchphrase, let's go for the Roman Reigns ooh-ah thing when he, uh, when he punches the mat before he goes for his spear. Uh, I think that is the... Or before the Superman punch it is, sorry. I would go for that rather than a, an actual catchphrase. Right, Alex, one for you. This isn't really a catchphrase, but Sasha Banks' current fake laugh because I forgot to mention how horrible that was earlier and I can't think of any other examples right now. Uh, I'll go for Zack Ryder. Woo, 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 you know it. I think that's what... <laughs> What even is that? Um, so yeah, uh, that'll be on the list of wrestling daft, so get your suggestions in for that. Remember, get on Patreon. Loads of extra content going to be up there. Chapter 2 of the Grado story, Rab's review of SummerSlam will be up there now, so get on there, patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft. Buy yourself a t-shirt, get involved. Um, you can get Gary where? Wrestling Gary on Twitter and I'll just be retweeting everything else I do so just follow me on Twitter and you'll see everything anyway and you'll get all lots of breaking wrestling news stories with Gary Alex you'll just get nothing but you can follow him at Thirsty Baboon and you can get me at Producer Mac and go Um, enjoy go and sign up to the Keith Lee GoChangeMe.org page to give Keith Lee his old music back absolutely do that right now Uh, and until next time keep marking out Audio Frontier With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.